Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Fred Lowry, illuminating God's Word for today's world. The choice, the Word of God, or the world. The choice, Christ, or culture for us. We can choose Christ. song because that's exactly what today is about in these next 40 days. It's about breakthrough. Breakthrough is when there's that, that barrier or that wall sometimes it seems like, but there's, there's something that stands between you and the person you want to be. A barrier that stands between you and the person God made you to be and God wants you to be. And you keep bumping up against it. And so what, and, and, and there's no doubt that, you, that you've tried many, many times to get through that barrier. And so 40 days is about whatever those barriers are, we're going to get through them. We're going to find a way to break through as individuals and getting with God in a way that perhaps we've never gotten with God before. Now, it may be there's somebody in the room this morning that's are several people that you're closer to God than, than you've ever been. And God is at the center of your life. You're in the Word of God daily. You're obeying God. You're walking with God. You're serving God. Your heart and life, you're open to God. Opened up your life to God. And what thrills you most is when God is glorified. Now, if that's you, just stop listening to the sermon and pray for the rest of us. Because while there may be those in this room that are closer to God than, than they've ever been, many are not as close to God as they want to be. And many are facing some barriers and some some walls that they need to break through. As believers, there was a time in all of our lives when we were so close to God. Remember when you got saved? When you made a rededication, a recommitment? When something happened in your life and you got back with God? There have been those times in your life when you knew that you were close to God and you could, you could sense His presence, you could feel His power, and your, your life revolved around God. God was your priority. God was the center. But here's what happens to us. Life gets crazy. Got to get a witness to that. Life gets crazy. And, and all of a sudden, our goals become survival of schedules and circumstances. Life gets so hectic, so busy. And here's what we need to understand. Getting away from God is the easiest thing you will ever do. It's almost automatic. It's as easy as getting on an inner tube and just, you know, floating down a lazy river. Getting with God takes some change, some things you have to stop doing, some things you have to start doing. And here's something else that's important. People get away from God 
not because of a big sin. It's a gradual slide. It's a careless neglect. It's wrong priorities that get out of order. You see, we think, you know, well, I, you know I'm pretty good because I'm not going to commit some big sin. The big sin comes way down the road. It starts when we begin to move God over and want more space. In our busyness, we, we, here's what happens. We fail to nurture our most important relationship. That's it right there. That's what happens to us. And we got all these excuses and, and, and life is so busy and so hectic and things come that we didn't expect and all that kind of stuff. But the real, the real problem is that because life gets crazy, we do something very foolish. We neglect the one person who can help us get life back uncrazy. We neglect life's most important relationship. And so because of our busy lives and selfish choices, we move God from the center of our life out to the edge, the circumference of our life. And what happens then? Over time, we lose our passion. We lose our joy. We lose our inner peace. We lose our power over the things that try to trip us up in life. We lose our victory. We lose God's glory. You see, God put within us a passion, a passion to love Him and to love Him with our whole heart, mind, and soul. God put that passion within us because God wanted us to passionately love him like he passionately loves us. And he knew that if we would passionately love him like he passionately loves us, then the world would see the passion in us. And they would want God. They would want to love God like we love God. But watch what happens. When we get busy and preoccupied and we allow things to crowd our lives and we move God over to the edge of our lives and now we are in the center. And what happens to that passion? We give our passion to things other than God. We give our passion to people, to pleasure to the things of the world. When God gave us that passion, the very passion that we're pouring on others, God put in us so that we would passionately love him the way he passionately loves us. And then other people would see that passionate love and want to be a part of it. And so... We lose God's glory. In 1 Samuel 4, the Israelites were fighting again. No news there. And 
they had bad leaders during the time. That's not big news either. It was just Israel, just like a, a fast yo-yo, just up and down, up and down. They serve God a little while, and they go back to false gods and, and get in idolatry, and all these things happen. And so here they are in battle with the Philistines. And so they go to battle with them, and the Philistines whip them, and they lose 4,000 men. So what do they do? They go back to camp and blame God. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that just like us? Things go wrong in our life. We're out there on our own. We've left God. We've moved God to the side. And then life crashes in and we blame God. God, you let this happen. So they got this big idea. What we need to do, the problem is we don't have the Ark of the Covenant. That's our magic weapon, our magic bullet. That's, that's, that's where our strength is. We don't have the Ark of the Covenant. So if we get the Ark of the Covenant, we'll, we'll whip the Philistines. There'll be no match for us. So they sent men to Shiloh to get the Ark of the Covenant. And they brought the Ark of the Covenant back, their magic weapon. But now watch closely. The problem was their faith was in the Ark of the Covenant and not in God. See, our faith can, we can put our faith in, in, in church, in programs, in people, in things. But that's a huge mistake. Their faith was in the ark and not in God. They wanted to use God to win. Sound familiar? But what happened? They had the Ark of the Covenant and they thought that represented the power of God and they went into that battle and they lost 30,000 men. They were soundly defeated. But not only that, the Ark of the Covenant was captured. And Eli's two sons were among the dead. And Eli had led Israel for 40 years. So Benjamite ran from the battle to tell the people what had happened. He told Eli that they had lost the battle and they'd lost 30,000 men, among them his two sons, and they'd lost the Ark of the Covenant. It had been taken, captured. Eli fell off his chair, broke his neck, and died. The pregnant daughter-in-law got news that her husband and father-in-law were dead. So she went into labor immediately. And she was having trouble with that labor. But she gave birth. But as she was dying, she named her son Ichabod, saying the glory of God has departed from Israel. Ichabod. Now that's an interesting, almost weird name. I, I think you probably won't name your child that. But what a powerful word, Ichabod. What about your marriage? Would you have to write Ichabod across your marriage? What about your finances, Ichabod? What about your spiritual life, Ichabod? 
You know, it is so easy for us to get away from God and we lose our passion and we realize usually too late that God's glory is not present with us. That God has moved his glory. God deserted that army when they were not looking to him but doing everything on their own. It is so easy to lose our passion in life. It's easy for me as a pastor to lose my passion. There have been times in my life when when I was so fired up for God I could hardly sleep at night. There have been times in my life when I felt like all passion had gone. That can happen to a pastor. It can happen to you. And even though it's happened to me in the past, it can happen to me again. And it's something that we ought to be broken over and concerned about, that we would lose our passion So that God is not absolutely the center, but we've started pushing him toward the edge. Or maybe we push him all the way to the edge and we're back in control. At one of those times in my life when when I felt that the passion was gone. I picked up a, a, a tape of a sermon that I'd preached years before. And I almost never listen to my sermons. I don't like any of them. Uh, I don't watch them on television either. But for some reason, I I saw the title of the sermon and and I, I just put it in the machine and started listening. And God began to speak to my heart, move in my heart. He began to convict me. And he began to show me that the passion had gone. And he began to put thoughts in my mind as to why that passion had gone. But I, I wasn't getting it all. And so what I decided to do was the next Sunday, I was going to preach that same sermon. And I was going to preach it the same way I'd preached it years before. Because as I was listening to my own sermon, I could, I could sense passion in that message. I could sense the anointing of God, the power of God, way beyond what any man can do. It's not ever about me. It's always about God. And so, I wanted to take that message and preach it again. And I wanted to preach it the same way, with the same passion and the same power, the same anointing. And I preached that message. And I preached it with all the strength within me. And it seemed like it just fizzled completely. I couldn't do it. And so I got with God and I said, God, I don't understand it. 
why can't I preach like I preached a few years ago? And here's what God said. You don't love me as much today as you loved me then. Wow. You don't love me now like you loved me then. And God began to peel back the layers and show me myself in a way that I needed to see but didn't want to see. And then as I got with God and got in his presence, and I did what I'll talk to you in a moment about what we need to do to break through. God broke through again in my life. And you see, that's something that, that we need to understand, that we can be involved in church work and lose our passion. We can be deacons or staff members and lose our passion. We can be connection class teachers and lose our passion. We can be doctrinally correct and lose our passion. We can go mission trips and lose our passion. She had a sister called Mary in Luke 10 who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Martha's a Baptist. We've got to do all these activities and all these. We've got to get, you know, we've got to get the meal right. And that's what's really important is getting the meal right. And so she's doing all this stuff and she's frustrated because Mary is in there worshiping the Lord, sitting at his feet listening to him. And so she came in and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work myself? And I love, I can almost hear Jesus in the words, Martha, Martha. You're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it shall never be taken away from her. I said, Mary, I mean, you're, do, you're preparing a, a meal and you're going to eat it and it's going to be gone. And you're all worked up about that and you think that's what's most important. When she's in here at my feet worshiping and listening to me and she can never lose that. And that's what's important. It's not the work first and hopefully you have time to worship the Lord. It's worship the Lord and out of that you prepare the meal for God's glory. And you do the work that has to be done. But here's the thing I, want, I don't want you to miss is that Martha had disconnected from the Lord, lost her passion, and didn't even know it. Didn't even know it. Living in the fast lane, being preoccupied, disconnecting from God, and didn't even know it. Activity doesn't produce spirituality. You can be in the church every time the doors are open, and you can work hard in the church and lose your passion, and the glory of God leaves your life. What happens when we lose our passion for God? Well, we lose our vision of who God is and what God does. We lose our love for being in God's presence. See, 
when you really get into the presence of God, wanting only God's glory and putting God first in your life, and you are in his presence, and you sense his presence, and you sense his glory, there is not an experience on this earth that can ever match that. And so, we, we can lose our joy and our inner peace. And we also lose our craving for God's word and God's wisdom. And we lose our desire to share the gospel. Those kinds of things happen when we lose our passion. Now, how do you get it back? That's what breakthrough is about. But you need to understand that any breakthrough that is not linked with the Holy Spirit and based solidly on God's Word will not last. It'll fade away. Or it'll just be emotional, superficial emotions. But we want our passion to come back and to stay. So what do you do when you know you've lost that passion? What do you do when you, when you feel like that even though you know you're, you love God and you're maybe serving God and you're, you're coming to church every Sunday, but you're, you're really empty inside and you don't sense God's presence and power in your life. You don't have that inner joy and peace. And you know that there's something wrong spiritually. So how do you fix you? You can't. You can't. And God made us in a way that the harder you try to fix yourself, the worse shape you'll be in. The harder you try to get happy, the less happy you'll be. The harder you try to get inner peace and joy in your life, the less peace and joy you'll have. Because you're trying to do something only God can do. The only spiritual breakthrough that can happen in Fred Lowry's life at any time, at any point, is God changing me from within. I have no love, no goodness, no purity. In me, the Bible says, there is no good thing. I can bring no glory to God on my own. So any good thing that comes out of my life, God has to be the author of that. God has to be the energizer of that. Paul said, I'm the chiefest of sinners. But then the next sentence he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We can't do it on our own. But we have Christ who gives us strength. Remember the church at Ephesus? Oh, it was, a, it was a good, strong church, and they were hard at work, and, and the Lord just lists all the good things about them. But then he said, there's one thing that's missing. One thing you're lacking. You've lost your first love. Just like God said to me, God said to this church in Revelation, you don't love me like you once loved me. What do you do when you realize that? How do you get back? 
you get back on at the same exit you got off. You get back on at the same exit you got off. Your getting back with God starts at the very place that you left God. Where did you leave God? For some, maybe it was blessings. You've just been blessed too much. I mean, life is good. You, you, you live in a better house. You ever thought about living in? You drive a better car. You ever thought you would drive? You got a better job. You ever thought you'd have? You got kids that hadn't messed up yet. Life's good. Life's good. And God must be pleased. God must be happy. Here's the sad thing. You don't know it now because things seem to be going so good. But let the bottom fall out of your life today and you could almost immediately realize that you had lost your passion and you have no inner strength to fight that battle. And you've gotten away from God in the process of being blessed. For others, it may be bitterness. Maybe you did something and people were supposed to recognize you for it and brag on you and they didn't do it and you hurt your feelings. You've been mad ever since. Or perhaps something, somebody did something really terrible to you. So terrible that you don't want to forgive them and you harbor that unforgiveness and that becomes bitterness. For most of us, probably it's just busyness. Busyness. You never would intend to leave God out of your life. You would never intend to push God from the center of your life to the edge. You would never intend to lose your passion for God and for his glory to leave you. But you got busy. Just like Martha in the kitchen. You became preoccupied. And see, now we're, we're busier people than we've ever been. Now the husband works out of the home. The wife works out of the home. But not only that, at the same time, the both parents are working outside the home. We're, our, we got our kids involved in more things than ever. You know, used to a child would, would just play one sport. Now they have to play all sports. And you've got the girls with the dance, dance schedules. And life just gets faster and faster and faster and more hectic and more hectic. And you're too busy. And there's not time to get with God. It's not time to get with God. But is, is that ever the reason? <laughs> It's like a golfer saying, I, I don't have time to get with God and study my Bible. It only takes four hours to play a golf game. What if you gave God four hours of your life at one time? Four hours. What would it do? You say, preacher, are you against golf? No, no, no. Play every day. As long as God is at the center of your life. And you sense God's glory. And God's in total control of you. Because he may want you on that golf course to win the person playing with you to Jesus Christ. But it's not about you, it's about him. It's not about time. 
It's about our own selfishness. So it's blessings, it's busyness, it's bitterness, or maybe it's a better deal. I mean, we, we get so, so mixed up in our lives because of what all the information Satan gives us. And if you hear it enough, you believe it. That's one of the biggest things wrong with America tonight, today, is that they have heard so many lies from the media that they believe it. If you just repeat it enough, then it becomes truth. That's crazy. But we, we just, the devil makes sure that he, that he feeds us all this information so that we pick up on it. We're, you know, we're just supposed to enjoy life and, and we're trying to enjoy life and it's just hard to work God in. And it is. I mean, last night I was, you know, you know I, on, on Saturday nights I get in bed early. I've done that my whole life. Uh, Ava grew up that way because dad made us get a bath on Saturday night where we needed it or not and we, we had to get in bed early on Saturday night than the other night because the next day was God's day. But I always uh, get in bed early on Saturday night and, uh, but last night LSU needed my help. I mean, they just, they struggled, they were struggling. And I just kept thinking I can leave at the end of this quarter, I can leave at the end of this quarter but I mean, they took me right up to the last second of the game. And it was enjoyable, nervously enjoyable. And that's like the world is. There are just so many things to do, so many places to go. And now we add these iPhones and Facebook. Now that we have to say, well, well I'm going get to get groceries now. And <laughs> who cares? Breakthrough begins when we get back with God in honesty and humility. When we open up our hearts and our lives to God in honesty and humility. And that can happen this morning. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. He didn't say it shall be called a house of preaching. He didn't say it should be called a house of praise and worship, as important as those things are. He says my house should be called a house of prayer. Why? Why? Because he loves you. He loves me. He loves us so much that he wants to give us himself, to give us his power, to give us his blessings, to give us his wisdom. He loves us so much that he wants to pour himself, himself into us so that we sense his glory, we feel his presence. But he can't do that unless we focus on him, unless we shut out the things that distract us from this world. And we focus on him and him alone. And we open up in honesty. We open up our hearts and lives totally, completely to him. And when we do that, then he begins to flow himself into us. 
in an experience that is unbelievably wonderful. And that's what he wants for every one of us. Hebrews 12 talks about life being a race and we're to throw some things off that hinder us. The cares of this world, the things that impede or stop our spiritual progress. And good things, it's usually good things. With us, it's not bad things, it's good things that keep us from doing the best things. And so Hebrews says, throw those off if you're going to win this race. But then it says, and the sin that so easily entangles us. The sin that so easily and quickly trips us up. I think that that verse is saying that every one of us has at least one particular sin that haunts us. That keeps tripping us up. We get close to getting with God. We get so close and then all of a sudden this thing comes back. And we give in. And we're tripped up. You see those sins before we got saved that we freely indulged in. After we get saved I want you to understand those sins come back with a vengeance. Satan will be sure of that. That's why when somebody gets saved from a, a life where they've just given themselves to sin and they get gloriously, dramatically changed, they need constant prayer in the days and months and maybe years ahead because those sins will come back with a vengeance. So what is the one thing that keeps you from breakthrough? That keeps you from getting closer to God than you've ever been? So that you can have that experience in his presence and his glory. What is the one thing that's keeping you from what God has for you, his best for you? God knows what that is. Satan knows what that sin is. You know what that sin is. Oh, y'all preacher, I, don't, I, I can't think of anything. Guess. Guess. Probably the first thing that comes to your mind. And it could be something, for men it could be lust, for women it could be gossip or whatever. It could be in all kinds of things. It could be big things, little things. But you fought with it all your life because it just keeps coming back. Every person has one or more weak points in his character. And we have to understand that Satan knows that. And he is constantly attacking us at the weakest point in our lives. And we cannot win that victory over Satan alone. We can't win it playing with it. Or giving into it. So here's the cure. Here's, here's, here's the breakthrough. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. That's a promise for today. It's a promise with conditions. 
that if we want spiritual breakthrough in our lives, true spiritual breakthrough, life-changing breakthrough, the first step is we humble ourselves, literally to bend the knee, to submit, to swallow our pride. Listen to me. Pride is our biggest problem. The middle letter in sin, I. The middle letter in pride, I. I want my own way. I can do it on my own. I can fix this. I can get better. I can love God more. I can do more for God. I, I, I. But you hit a wall every time. Remember what happened in heaven when before there was a devil. Lucifer, the brightest, most beautiful angel. who turned into Satan. Why? Pride. Pride. He got tired of giving God glory. He wanted glory for himself. He wanted a piece of the action. But listen to me. God will not share his glory. God will not share his place of honor in your life. He won't share it with your job. He won't share it with your hobby. He won't share it with your family. He won't share it with church work. He won't share it with entertainment. He won't share it with sports. God will not share his glory with anything. It's his glory. Humble yourself before the Lord in honesty. This is my sin. This is where I'm hung. you got two choices. You can humble yourself or eventually God will humble you. And trust me, you don't want the latter. You don't want God to humble you. Humble yourselves. And then it says pray. Martin Luther says God does nothing but an answer to prayer. And the essence of true prayer is the acute awareness of being in God's presence, having an actual encounter with the living God, not formal prayers, not perfunctory prayers, duty prayers, and acute awareness that you are in the presence of God and you sense his glory. God gave us two weapons to fight the devil, prayer and the Bible. And those two are the only two you need to defeat the devil and walk in victory. Breakthrough prayer begins with an awareness of what we have in Christ. Think about what we have in Christ. He saves us from ourselves. He saves us from our past. He saves us from our guilt. He saves us from our shame. He saves us from our sins. He saves us from separation from God. He saves us from Satan's deceptive lies. He saves us from judgment. He saves us from hell. What a Savior. What a Savior. And you see, when, with, with me just naming out those things Jesus has saved us from, God being God, we being sinners, should lift our hands to God and say, Oh God, I humble myself in your presence. 
Hallelujah for, the, for who you are and what you do. I praise you. I praise you. And then it says we seek God's face. You see, when you get rid of all the clutter in the presence of God, you see his face. Now, literally, the Bible says you can't see God's face and still live. So when it's talking about seeing his face, you, you see, you feel his presence. You experience his glory. And it's as if you're looking into his face. You're, com- you're having communion with a holy God. And you know it. You're on holy ground. And you know it. And then we turn then from our wicked ways. Says the Bible. And that really precedes this worship with the Lord. That we confess our sins. Because we can't come into God's presence with dirty hands and an impure heart. We can't ask God to bless our unfaithfulness, our unchristlikeness, our sins. So we repent and return to God. And nobody likes that word. We don't like this step. We want to skip this step, but we can't skip it. You can't call the shots in your life and live in God's glory. You can't sleep around and live in God's glory. You can't buy into the culture and live like the culture and the beat. Brutally, if we're brutally honest, if we're brutally honest with ourselves, all of us are too much like the culture. And the things we enjoy, our interest, our philosophy, the things we do, the places we go, the stuff we watch, too much like the world. And listen to me. If we're friends with the world, we're far from the Father. Turn from our sinfulness. Listen to me. Somebody is saying, but you don't know what I've done, Pastor, and you don't know how long I've neglected God and how far I've gotten away from God. When Lee and I were in New York with Laura Lee, we went down to Ground Zero and we saw that that building that's going up in the place of the Twin Towers that's going to be the tallest building in New York. And look at that building in amazement as to what man can do. What man can do. Brilliant men can build skyscrapers that are amazing. But God can make a star. Man can't make a star. Our closest star is, what, 93 million miles away. We could see thousands of stars, but not nearly enough for the, there's so many more, 200 billion in our galaxy, and our galaxy is just one of millions of other galaxies. What does the Bible say? God numbers the stars and calls them by name. And you tell me he can't solve your problem. He can't help you get victory. He can't forgive you of your sins. But you know this. 
God loved you so much that he sent Jesus to die on a cross to pay the penalty for your sins so that you could be forgiven. And they murdered Jesus on that cross and he shed his blood to cover our sins and then they put him in a grave and three days later he came out of that grave alive, a resurrection. And then some days later he ascended up into heaven to be at the right hand of the Father to intercede for you and me 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. We have, we have 911 to Jesus instantly. And if he can do that, if God pulled that off, then you tell me you've got a sin God can't forgive. You've got a victory God won't help you make happen. No, the problem's not with God. Remember, when you start toward God, he's already running toward you. What you need is power. He's got the power. What he needs from you is honesty and openness and open up your life and open up your heart to God and say, God, here I am. I am a sinner. I have sinned. I've done wrong. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Forgive me. And he does it. And he'll do it for everyone in this room. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you've given us your word. We don't have to guess. We know what it takes to get with you. And we understand this morning that we've allowed things to come in and get between us and you. Many of those things are good things, but they, they've become our priority. And we pushed you to the side. And that's not working out good. And God, we want to we get with you. And we, we want to open up our hearts and lives to you. And we want to be forgiven of our sins. And we want to be in your presence. And we want to sense your power. We want to know your glory. And let it begin this morning. God, give us breakthrough in this room this morning. There is not a sin in this room that you will not forgive. There is not a sinner in this room that you do not love. May we come to you. May we break through the barriers and fall into your arms. In Jesus' name. We hope you were blessed by our program today. If you would like a copy of today's program, go to www. FredLowry.com, where you can find this program and other Christian resources by Dr. Fred Lowry.